Robinson here with the fellows from Corso Systems. Thank you guys for sitting down today. I have Alex Marcy, the president of Corso. Brian McLean, director of business development, as well as Scott Iman, who runs the brewery operations. So thanks for doing this, fellas. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks right. for having us. Start off with a cheers here. Yeah. Cheers. There it is. All right, we're at the Pax Varen Brewery, uh, who I've had on the podcast before. They got their way out fest tomorrow, so we're all congregating for a, a fun discussion in advance of that event there. And boys, I always like to start these conversations out with an origin story. You know, for those that may be unfamiliar with Corso Systems and what you guys do, specifically with your, you know, beer platform, which is what we're going to discuss here today, even with your experience, Scott, from being a previous uh, brewery owner, love to just kind of hear the origin story of how Corso got started and how you guys came together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the basics is Corso Systems is a systems integrator. So we work with manufacturing companies to do like automation and business system integration to give them tools to operate and run their business and and extract data from their process so they can optimize and understand their efficiency and their losses and and things. Um, We've done quite a bit of brewery automation over the years um, and some distilleries as well. Um, And the way that, you know, Corso got started, I went to school for chemical engineering and really enjoyed the process automation and controls class and got out of school and was like, you know, I assume people do that for a job since we're learning about it in college um, and found out that there was, you know, a company called the System Integrator that, like, that was an industry that people worked in and found a job with a systems integrator in Reno, uh, where I'm from originally, and worked there for a few years and they had gotten bought by a publicly traded Australian engineering company and it changed from a, like, very customer, like, customer service focused business to a more of a shareholder focused, you know, because it's publicly traded and it changed the whole culture of the company. And at that point, I felt like I worked for the best place in town and wasn't in a position to move yet and didn't want to go to any of the other shops, but didn't want to stay here and like be in this environment. So I went out on my own and kind of freelanced for a couple of years. And then uh, my now wife uh, went to University of Chicago and we kind of settled in Chicago. And while I was there, started up Corso Systems, like under the Corso brand. Uh, and then we got a big project out in Pennsylvania with a big chocolate company and started hiring people at that point and have been growing ever since. And that was back in 2015. Um, and then I think it was 2018, met Scott, uh, his brewery in Reno. Uh, we were in town working out at Tesla at the Gigafactory. And uh, we had a mutual friend and he was looking for some automation help. So we went and met and had a couple beers and kind of started that relationship and that grew into where we are now and uh, through some of the beginnings of that was the the precursor to you know beer um, and now we're kind of pushing hard on making that a full full featured product and getting that out there in mm-hmm. breweries hands yeah we so. uh you know, we crossed paths because like you said mutual friend i had a bottling line that wasn't operational at the time <laughs> and i needed help on it uh it turns out it never got operational just because it was it was a piece of junk but um yeah, we, we had a lot of ideas as to, like, how to extract information from breweries from an automation standpoint, and that's really kind of what led to uh, a former product that we were, we were working on, and now it's the second evolution is, uh, you know, beer. So, um, but yeah, uh, Under the Rose Brewing Company was the company. Uh, we, uh, me and my wife, we owned it for five years. It was a heck of a run. Didn't end up making it, but man, uh, a lot of fantastic moments were had there. Uh, met some great people, and it turned into some long-lasting mm-hmm. relationships. So, um, I couldn't be happier with my experience and where it's gotten me to. So, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, with this being a beer podcast, I have to always ask, you know, what was the first beer that hooked you? You know, for me, it was I was drinking 
whatever you could buy that was the cheapest in college. And then you have like, for me, it was a fat tire. They had a fat tire for the first time. You're like, oh, what the hell is this? this yeah. This is different. This is, and then I kind of went down that that rabbit hole and started exploring more of the Sierra Nevadas and some of the sand blends and mm-hmm. dogfish. And how's it for you guys? What was it? What was the one that hooked you? Uh, I've I've heard Fat Tire many times from many people through my years in the industry. Uh, it's it's I call it a gateway beer. That's what it does. It like it's it's more flavor than the others. You're like, ooh, I can have flavor in my beer. For me, I was uh, I was in college and we were going out one night. Went to the the beer store. And I looked at the shelf and I said, you know, tonight I want I want a bigger bottle of beer. I don't want just like a 12-ounce beer. I want a bigger bottle. And so I pulled one off the shelf. It happened to be three philosophers from Brewery Yama Gang. Excellent Belgian-style quad, you know, super uh, thick, raisiny, delicious. It's It would be one of my favorite styles to date. I just can't drink it that often because it's so high proof. Yeah. So I fall back to like yeah. Saison's and such. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was, that was my first beer. I, I had it and I was like... This is rich and delicious and fantastic, and it's not Milwaukee's best light. And I'm, I'm, I'm in. So that was that yeah. was mine. I mean, in college, I was the same way. I was Bud Light, Miller Light, whatever is the cheapest and easiest to get, usually at parties. But then, yeah, I mean, right after that, it was you start to come across the IPAs, the sessions, all that. And it's like, okay, we can do this, and we can search for something that has flavor rather than just this tastes like water, and you just drink it to get a buzz or something like that. But I think, in, in terms of all the different types, you know, I'm, I'm also partial to to Pilsner beers as well. My my family is heritage from Czech Republic, and that's where Pilsner Urkel kind of got its start. And they lived in the Pilsen town where the brewery's at, so it's like there's a little bit of a kind of homage back to that. So I have a soft spot there. But other than that, I mean, on day to day, it's it's IPAs, it's sessions, anything that's yeah. And for me in Reno, it was a lot of like Sierra Nevada. They were just over the hill, right? Uh, I think Fat Tire. I mean, we would drink that, but it was like the first IPA that anybody had experience with. Uh, but Fat Tire was like the first one I really enjoyed, and I think the first one that really got me into like craft beer as a, a category was like Arrogant Bastard. Mm. It was like that has a cool label. Yeah, it was stone, it's like yeah, yeah. And, and then we got into the the world of Stone beers and. That really like blew the hatch off for me. I, I applied to work at Stone Brewing when they had like twenty employees, because I was I was into home brewing at the time, and they had like this you know edgy motif to them, and I was like I want to be part of that. Uh, didn't end up working out, but hey, I'm here now, so it can't be that bad. Well, it's crazy. I, re- I remember reading this was years back that they were planning to open up a, a brewery in actually Germany. Yep. But they have really strict, uh, you know, purity laws there with what you can do. So I don't know if they could make Arrogant Bastard. <laughs> I, I, Maybe they can. I don't know. But I, um, I, t- I took a trip to Belgium one time, uh, research, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, and I ran into the owner, uh, Greg, oh, nice. uh, at Cantillon. Actually, we did like a kind of a private tour because he was there. And it, it was a really cool experience. Uh, it, was, it was really nice to meet him. He's a... He's a high-energy dude. High-energy dude. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, I, I love asking this question, and I asked it to Jason and Colt and everybody, you know, lean down on your experience as a brewer, uh, Scott. I mean, everybody has their lineups that are exemplified their successes, right? But everybody has a fun story around something they were trying that maybe it sounded good on paper, and maybe you just tried to put some things together and it just came out just utter shit and dead on arrival. Do you have any of those uh, from your days from Under the Rose? I mean, we... Fortunately, we didn't have that many. Uh, we had, you know, 
Most of our beers turned out well. We had one beer one time. It didn't quite, the yeast didn't quite come out of solution because the, I couldn't get the temperature to drop on the fermenter. So it was just this like really thick, it was like a, a hazy barley wine. It was not appealing. But the all-time worst beer that we made, so what we used to do is we'd make uh, kind of on-demand kegs. We'd say, okay, listen, let's take, let's take this beer and let's throw some fruit into it. Or we're going to do our British pale ale with some uh, Earl Grey tea. You know, kind of make sauce it up a little bit and like give somebody you know some another reason to check it out, um, just like one-offs. And so my wife loves pears, and so she was like, "Okay, let's put pear into a beer." And we tried it in all different proportions and a bunch of different beers. And every single time, your first impression was baby food. It came out <laughs> like baby food, and it was like it wasn't just like the taste and the smell. It was almost a textural thing. It was like, mm. nope, no, this is not good. And and she she's very headstrong. She's like, let's try it again. Never worked. And so, uh, baby food beer was our our worst beer that we made gotcha. for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it was not good. Well, the reason I want to do a podcast with you guys is to kind of give not just the those that watch or listen to the podcast just want to hear good stories with some brewers, but maybe there is a brewery out there, whether they're small scale, medium scale, large scale, that are kind of looking at the you know expansion and use of technology uh, into operations. So as you guys sit here and kind of being in that uh, in that field and have expertise in it, what trends? Um, and what directions do you see with regards to technology that you guys are, you know, can see as a benefit to the average brewer, or maybe even large ones? Yeah, I mean, I think for, from a high level standpoint, you know, we have a lot of experience, you know, in, in larger manufacturing environments. So think about big food and beverage facilities, like a Nestle uh, type of organization, and they, you know, the big buzzwords that you see out here are, you know, MQTT, you know, Industry 4.0, Internet of Things. You know, it's all about data and how you collect the data, how you visualize the data, what you do with that. Um, so a lot of these big manufacturers that we're working with, they have these big initiatives that, um, you know, see a lot of value coming out of how you can present those data and, and driving efficiencies up, you know, improving quality, reducing scrap. There's a lot of awesome things that are going on in these big manufacturing environments. And I think taking those principles of what we have, you know, kind of in the integration space, and combining that with, you know, the, the brewery experience that we have into one, it's like bringing some of these, you know, big tech in, in, initiatives into some of these smaller footprint facilities. And I think it could provide a lot of, you know, amazing value by kind of focusing that on, you know, the equipment, the process, um, all of that upwards rather than, you know, coming down from, you know, like an order processing type type of a thing. And, and kind of like, you know, just to sum that up, getting everything to the cloud is really what people are looking to is, is having access to all that data immediately from anywhere is really something that a lot of these big big companies are doing and that's something that we're trying to kind of translate to the smaller guys. Mm -hmm. for, for any brewery that's looking to kind of dip their toe into technology, is there any, or they've started to explore it, is there any pitfalls they need to avoid right up front or is there any gimmies that are just an ease of start, so to say? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's pitfalls all over the place. Um, you know, certainly want to not pin yourself into a corner technology-wise. You know, doing your research and kind of coming to conclusions on, you know, you think about software development, for example, building websites or, or different applications. There are a plethora of programming languages you can choose. There's um, to store data. There's all sorts of different database storage stacks you can go 
you know, transactional databases or relational databases, all sorts of different things. Uh, but just kind of being aware and having like a, a base level of knowledge of kind of where's the industry heading, what are some dead end technology pieces, you know, you know, in, in our world in manufacturing, you think of like, uh, you know, data highway plus kind of architectures, like, um, you can invest a lot of time and money into putting in a system that maybe you're sold on the idea of, of what it can do or someone came in and said, hey, let's put this system in. You can spend a lot of money on the hardware side, the software side, the development engineering services side. At the end of it, it's like you could have a solution that can be outdated in a number of, you know, a handful of years. So, you know, approaching it in a way that, that is forward thinking and something that's like, hey, let's get the data up and accessible in a way that we can keep scaling with, I mean, it's, it's never changing industry. Um, there's going to be something that comes out tomorrow that someone else from Silicon Valley kind of came up with in their garage. Maybe that'll fade away as some kind of fad. Maybe that will be the actual future, but kind of setting up your environment so that you can constantly evolve with that technology. Um, I would say take a cue from the manufacturing world where, you know, we're constantly like fighting to get to 2011 instead of 2021, like mm -hmm. the rest of the world, because you don't want to take brand new technology into a huge manufacturing plant and introduce a lot of downtime. So it's let's take things that we know have worked, we know are well-tested technology-wise and are going like, to last the test of time in mm -hmm. terms of you know, hardware, communication protocols, software, like the systems that, you know, like look at a Stone Brewing or a Sierra Nevada and the tools that they're using to automate their brewery and build you know, pieces of that or a smaller version of that using the same like, methodologies and the overall technology, but at like, a, a smaller scale um, versus like, oh, there's some new, like, brewery automation package I can like add on to my system that I'm buying uh, as a turnkey thing mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily allow you to expand beyond that type mm -hmm. of system uh, yeah. in the way that you can like, I mean how, how many customers have we gone in and our job is to take all sorts of separate systems mm -hmm. and yeah. say okay listen we're we're either going to delete those systems and bring it all into one application or we're going to take all those systems and visualize it through one application so you don't have to click back and forth and open and close and VM into this and you know there's there's all sorts of different kind of pathways you can get stuck in when you have to go back and forth and mistranslations and so that's that's kind of what we try and help yeah. you avoid. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a common pitfall of it's the silos of different data. It's like Bob over here found a software package that does recipe management. John over here found something that does inventory management. Well, those two pieces can't communicate. And sometimes the key information that might really help accelerate your business growth is, is to combine those two systems into one and kind of do the aggregations and analysis between the two. So finding things that can really communicate to each other and not having all these different individual silos of data is, I think, really, really important. Gotcha. So the, you know, whatever's being used in the industry to date, you know, what are some of the pros and cons of it? And if they're the cons, what does the, you know, beer platform look to be as a solution for those cons? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, from the software that's out there, I think it's all pretty solid. And I think it, it addresses a lot of needs within the brewing industry. We're, we're looking at it from a slightly different perspective in terms of, you know, being a former brewer, you know, the, the industry is brought up from within. It's collaborative. You know, 
I run out of grain and I call up the my, my buddy who owns a brewery down the street and I say, hey, can I borrow some grain? He says, yeah, sure, hit me back whenever. And it's it's very, you know, uh, cross-pollinating. And so what we're looking to do is is kind of source from within the brewing industry and listen. And we're going to, you know, we've got a webinar coming up where we're just going to sit and listen and ask questions as to the current needs and, and what, what, we're, what, what, what they want with their current process and how we can apply that so mm-hmm. so that that's kind of the the differentiator but then beyond that with our experience we're kind of looking at a uh, monitor manage control methodology where we're gonna we're gonna process manage or process monitor at first where we can you can see it then if you want to we get into process management and we can we can then sorry process manage I lost it. Yeah, process management. <laughs> process, yeah. process management, Manage process monitoring, there it is. There it process is. There control. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then, then you can monitor from afar, just looking at it, you know, getting uh, tank temperatures and such. Um, and then we can move all the way into control, kind of mimicking some of the systems that you see on these larger scales of Sierra Nevada's, the stones and such. Yeah. But but yeah, so that's that's kind of we're creating roadmaps for people and we're listening to people is really Yeah. The, well the and I think you know, a lot of the software packages you might see out there it's like you know this is something from that came out from out west you know a lot of venture capitalist kind of funding and money that goes into that uh, but but really our approach is like we have a lot of experience out there in in the projects and customers that we've worked with and, and it's not far removed from what we're seeing here in this industry it's you know systems where it's like i got clipboards on the side of my equipment and i'm jotting down you know, some key metrics of some temperatures, some pressures, some, you know, when did I start a batch, when did I end a batch, and it's this paper-based system and clipboards, and it's like that's great for kind of in the moment to kind of get you, you know, through the day. But how do you take that information and really help you grow and improve your your process overall? You know, how do we learn from yesterday's batch to make this batch be better? And a big part of that is is the data and and how you analyze and transform the data into valuable information. And I think that's kind of part of our approach, too, is just how can we take some baby steps to get in that process and make that be an easier kind of transition point so you're not spending all your time logging this data down. It's like, are, are you going to take that clipboard and you put that in the computer so then maybe you'll look that at that tomorrow? I don't know. But if it's it's easy and intuitive to use... And, and kind of hits these kind of key points, then you can start looking at that data and you can grow from there into things like, yeah, let's start to control these tanks. Let's start to do a little bit more um, down the road, right? Mm. Well, I think a good follow-up with that is, you know, when I sit with clients on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, I always come from a foundation of educating, guiding, and counseling, but a core principle of starting anywhere is getting them organized. Mm-hmm. Organization is key, and if I do anything for any client I do with, just getting them organized, I think, is a, is a huge mm-hmm. first step. So as it pertains to the You Know Beer platform, what are some of the steps that you guys are taking to get, whether it's aggregate, you mentioned the cloud, Scott, so what, are, what is a way that you're organizing these data where the flows can be, you know, ease of use for maybe a brewery that's not as tech savvy as, as you mentioned, coming from a pencil and pad, right? So... How do you kind of transition them to use the technology and get them organized in a way where it can be ease of use for them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways that kind of factor into that. But, I mean, number one, just relating to the cloud aspect, it's like 
you have a lot of brewery operations now that have multiple facilities. You might have your brewery operations and multiple tap rooms or something like that. And you want to translate all that data or communicate all that data between multiple facilities. This is where cloud can really come into handy or come into play um, to kind of have a central repository where you can funnel all that data up and kind of be organized in that sense. Um, but I mean, really, just in terms of the ease of use, you know, it's there's there can be systems in any industry that we can put in technology systems that are very um, abrasive to kind of the current methodologies and flows that like operators and and brewers or, or whoever would use. And I think by easing that and and really coming up with just a simplistic design and you know simple intuitive UIs um, and kind of baby step into the features and functionality that kind of you grow that adoption over time Mm -hmm. and you can kind of organize and and structure through that way rather than coming in plopping down this big technology stack and be like okay we're going to change everything that we're doing you're going to start doing things this way this is how we have to do it to get the the ones and zeros to line up it's like that's that's very abrasive and it's going to be hard to kind of get that adoption and those are the kind of systems that's like ends up in the trash can after trying out for a few months it's like hey this let's just get back to making beer it's like no we want you to make beer it's like let's just kind of work alongside you and get that that data so you're not having to to do a lot of manual processes and let's use some of that technology to to help you rather than change how you're doing things gotcha well i think um from doing this podcast and just being a lover of craft beer i mean you hear the word saturation a lot um, just here in Indiana, I think we have over 180 breweries, uh, most of which, I mean, you could probably get to 160 of them within a two-hour sphere. So with regards to, you know, saturation, how can technology, or better yet, with what you guys do at the you know, Beer Platform, how can, how can that help differentiate a specific brewer from the, from the masses in, mm-hmm. today's, in today's world where you can go down one street and you can run into 10 different breweries? I think that, kind of looking at that from a... Like customer experience perspective in terms of how can technology like differentiate is taking the, the technology that we have and the tools available and like data collection and control and like when you're doing a brewery tour if you've gone on one brewery tour unless you're going from like PAX to go up to Stone and like it's a totally different scale of operation right. it's you could go to any brewery in the country and it's pretty much the same they may just have a different number of fermenters or the piping arrangements different but mm-hmm. we could actually like say put QR codes or things that people can scan on their phone as they're on a brewery tour and pull up, you know, what's in the the batch, what when was it brewed, what is the temperature profile of the mash look like, what is the temperature profile in the tank look like, when is it coming out, what's the gravity? Like you can actually see what's going on in the process. Mm. You know, Home from the focused. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, the stuff that homebrewers geek out on. Yeah, because yeah. like if I go into a brewery being an automation guy, it's like, well what's in there? They're like, well I, I look at the clipboard. I don't know, and it's like to, you know to understand what's going on and like how they're making their beer in the process and all that. You get get more information, mm-hmm. and it could even be you know tying into like a point of sale system and yeah. know, building digital menus and things that can update in real time or you know track how much is left in a keg or something. And you can see as a customer when is something going to tap out or you know what's what's fresh on the line. Right. It's this. I- yeah. Back to like technology stack, like this. This is our technology stack. You can use this. Mm-hmm. Like, which brewer doesn't have one of these? You tell me one, and I'll yeah. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, but and so, really, getting brewers to use phones to update their process in a very easy, streamlined fashion, like he was saying, gives them more time with customers, doing the things that are important. 
coming up with new beers, really focusing on differentiating yourself, whether that's through new cool design t-shirts or new beers that are innovative or going back to a classic style that hasn't been hit in decades, let's do it better than anybody's ever done it. Mm -hmm. And so automating the process so brewers get to do what they love doing more is kind of the direction we're trying to take people and, and we've always been a company we are trying to help our customers. We have said no to more money at times because it didn't make sense to the customers. And that's our that's our foundation, is to help people. And when we get to help people, it makes us happy. And we do end up making money in the process, sometimes not as much, but it's it's a good feeling. So Well that's fantastic. I mean what I've what I've found from either doing the podcast or just living in Indiana and going to all these breweries, it's there seems to be there's three stages I think. There's the one that's a single location that maybe was opened by a home brewer or some partners. Then you have, I think an example in town would be Taxman, where you got multiple locations, you know, brew pubs in each. And then you got probably our local well-oiled machine, which is Sun King. And you mentioned a stone out in California and whatnot. So what, what, is the, what is the niche that you guys are looking to, or, or size that you guys are looking to go into where you feel that you know beer platform could be the mm-hmm. most beneficial as, at this stage of where you guys are at? Yeah, I mean, certainly we want to, design and develop a system that can be pretty universal but at the same time you know it, it kind of goes back to this idea of kind of the paper on glass kind of concept of converting clipboards into screens and visualizations and that's typically going to come from your, your small and medium-sized brewery i mean a stone a sierra nevada i mean they're going to have oem equipment that's coming in with integrated automated systems and and back-end cloud systems already um and I'm sure there's some inherent inefficiencies and, and pain points that they might have with that, and there's some, some work to be done there. But the bigger bang for the buck in terms of just transformation, I think, can come from the, the small to medium-sized breweries that, that are looking to kind of introduce some new technology into their operations rather than expand on some large footprint they might already have. And I think even, like, listening to your episode with Taxman, they're like... Yeah. We're looking for technology to help us get to the point that we can like expand and grow and and not have to be the ones there every single day doing every single job all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And I think even you know going back to differentiating, I think automation and technology even helps from a training perspective. Of you know we don't I don't have to be the only person here who knows how to do every single job. I can you know use the technology available to give people a, a path forward to understand and learn how to do what I'm doing and take mm-hmm. the pieces of the job that, that don't inspire me and give that to somebody else and like you know we talk about like strengths and weaknesses it's like let let me amplify my strengths and take away the weaknesses and pass those to somebody else and that's you know even from from a business owner perspective it's the things that i am not good at that are underserving the business let me find somebody like a brian or a scott to come in and and bolster that Uh, and i think you know technology is is one of the arrows in the quiver to to make that happen yeah that's great well let me let me throw a scenario at you say say i'm a a small brewer with a limited budget. What are some of the immediate problems you guys would kind of see in that scenario, and what are some of the solutions that you guys would tackle right off the bat? Inventory management, right away. That's yeah. that's always, and and having something that's intuitive, easy to use, that uh, links in with current available ingredients from a myriad of suppliers. Uh, and can spit out purchase orders right away based on uh, brew schedules. And so that's kind of 
kind of out of the gate, what we've been working on with our beta customers is uh, inventory management, recipe formulation, and brew scheduler. And all three of those in tandem work to do just what I said. All right, let's talk about uh, you know what technology can do for a large-scale operation. You know, as you guys envision kind of growing this platform to what you ultimately want it to be, you know, what are some examples of some of the larger breweries that are really exemplifying technology that are, you're looking to adapt, more or less, from either some of these smaller, medium-sized ones? I mean, you mentioned Stone a couple times, Alex. Yeah, I would say you know Stone and Sierra Nevada are really good examples of that. Um, going to like Lagunitas in Chicago, they take more of the you know the Siemens Brumat platform, which is like an Anheuser Busch you know child with Siemens that they basically buy a turnkey system that you can brew as much beer as you could possibly brew. Um, then looking at companies like Stone and Sierra Nevada that are kind of uh, growing into that, and they're using you know not necessarily an off-the-shelf turnkey solution like Brumont, but they're building it up with you know programmable controllers to do the automation with all the automated valves and instrumentation, and then software platforms like Ignition, which is kind of an industry standard um, automation platform that does the connectivity with the plant floor equipment and all the ba- business back-end systems and databases. And really, I think the key for them is is consistency. So it's how do we brew the same beer the same way, the same all the time at any facility, mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at, like, Sierra Nevada moving into Asheville. It's like we need to make beer taste the same for people who are, are from California and they're ordering a beer in, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to taste the same pale ale at both locations and if it tastes bad in one location like they're we're going to lose a customer and looking at you know not to say a bad word but like Budweiser a Budweiser you buy anywhere in the world that's made at any facility tastes the same as any other Budweiser that's ever been produced because they're so focused on quality and consistency mm. for what they do quality of their flavor you know you know but they're really kind of the the poster child of how do you brew beer consistently mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times you know at craft brewers that are starting up if if I go to them and I order a saison this week and I go back six months from now and order the same beer sometimes it's a crapshoot or a roll of the dice is it going to taste the same because like they may not have the consistency of ingredients or recipe or temperature control or something so mm-hmm. it's you know really using technology to leverage your ability to be more consistent and brew consistent product mm. yeah. and then being able to understand your process and how to brew consistent product makes it easier to then branch out and do the out there beers where it's like we're going to experiment and I, I understand the system better so now I know putting in different inputs I'll maybe can help direct what the outputs are yeah well I mean and just with larger breweries you have larger budgets and you can afford more customized software solutions so you can build something. The visualizations are exactly how they want it. The the reporting is exactly how they want the data collection. So you can have these systems that are just tailor-made towards your operations and get a lot of additional value out of that. So, so a lot of the, the big breweries are taking advantage of that and building in these, these kind of systems. And that's really our approach is, you know, we're doing stuff with the big manufacturing companies. And, like, we understand, you know, what Stone is doing with their system and how do we take that and how do we take the pieces of that and do it at the craft beer scale both in terms of functionality because they don't need all the bells and whistles and in terms of price because you don't need to spend a million dollars on an automation system to get you know a ton of value out of it it's kind of like the, what can we do the 20% of that gets us 80% of the value mm-hmm. 
And then from there, then we can start to look as a brewery grows and needs more automation into like, how do we, what do we need to automate next? What, what are the pain points beyond here that will like keep you up at night? And how do we fix those? And it goes back to that roadmap, that technology stack roadmap on, okay, how are we going to grow the company? What are we gonna do? No business owner actually knows where their company is going to end up, but you have to predict, do the best job you can to understand where you at least want to go. And getting that roadmap and that game plan together and understanding where you want to go, you can stop at any point. You can say, okay, listen, I've got five tap houses, life is gravy, we don't want to grow anymore, we think that'd be too dangerous. You know, or you can say, hey, listen, we want to be the next Sun King, or we want to be the next Stone, we want to be the next Dogfish Head. It, it depends, and we're we're willing to facilitate whatever. We're, we're again, we're we're down to make the clients happy, and that's that's really our goal. Whether you want to own a nano brewery in a garage and you want to make one batch a week and you want to run out every week, cool. We can help out with that if you want it. If not, hey, brew and be merry, man. Like, get it. <laughs> gotcha. Because I think um, you know when I sit. With clients, one of the cornerstones of the initial conversation, both initially and then every time we meet on a quarter or semi-annual, is we always review the DOSs, as I call them. It's, is there any dangers that are keeping us from your goals? Is there any potential opportunities or obstacles that we'd either either take advantage of or avoid or any strengths that you're doing that we can reinforce, right? So, for example, if you had a brewery that's kind of set in their ways that isn't open to a technology solution, but you can see that they have some strengths that you can reinforce. How do you provide the value proposition with you know beer to kind of get them over their initial obstacles uh, to you know moving forward in a technological era, so to say? Well, I mean that's just it. We're in an era of technology. I was talking to these guys earlier about just the the growth of technology over our lifetimes and what I mean. We have supercomputers in our pockets, mm-hmm. and so utilizing the tools that you already have, people are already using Instagram. They're they're on their phones all the time, so might as well take that tool and leverage it. And you know, let's let's look at it in a better way, and let's uh, let's save the earth. Let's save some paper, and and let's let's really work to kind of cut down on these tedious procedures that we can then make super easy. And you're already doing it. Like you already have to record these things. And if you don't, you're never re- going to record anything anyway. And it's probably not a good fit. You know, if, <laughs> if you're if you're never going to do things the right way or the the way that some people want to do them, I'm not going to say there's a right and wrong way to do it. But th- there's no changing that, no matter what. We're 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 looking for the people that do want to grow, want to grow smart, and and they want to bring some organization to it because I I know that feeling. You made beer, great, check. Okay, started selling beer, great, check. Okay, now what? And and it, it just, it, it happens fast. And, and people have a better plan than just that. But frequently there's not as much of a technology stack in place to help alleviate all the stresses because, you know, inevitably glycol chillers are going to shut down, batches are going to have to get dumped, you know, yeast strains are going to get infected, bad things are going to happen, you're going to lose beer, and you're going to have to adapt to that. You're, that's going to happen. You want to minimize that, and you don't want to have to worry about the other stuff, the record keeping. You want that to just happen, and that's what we're trying to help people with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, it goes back, I think you said it earlier, just you got to ask yourself the why. And it's the why, why would we want to be bringing in technology into this, this process? And so if you're going into it with the mindset of 
oh yeah, we can bring in this software package or this hardware package, and it'll just brew beer for us, and we'll just sit around and watch the beer come out. Like that's not going to happen. But if you are looking into it as let's bring in the technology to help me free up my time so I can focus on what's most important or the best utilization of my time and not be sitting here on a Saturday afternoon spending three hours reconciling inventory mess-ups from the week before mm. because we weren't jotting down on our clipboard the, the proper batches that we were making and all that kind of stuff. So if you can have a system that can kind of just manage that for you and you can focus on, hey, what recipes are we going to make tomorrow? What's is that pear beer, uh, pear beer going to be good or not? Like that's the kind of stuff that like humans need to be focusing on. Like yeah, that's it won't the art yeah. and the science of this, right? And then you can a lot of technology to do like the parts that you don't want to be consuming your time with, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as far as what you guys have, as far as your current modules, is there what do you have available today that you're you're uber excited about? And then what are some of the things that you're building towards R&D wise? Because I mean, you, you mentioned that you're doing a webinar to kind of get some feedback to kind of hear what some of the pain points are for those that will participate in that webinar. But what is what do you guys offer now? And then what's in the hopper? So now it's looking at inventory management and recipe integration and management. Um, and we have, you know, the capability of doing temperature monitoring. So getting into the, you know, manage and monitor. And then doing the control is more of a case-by-case basis in terms of what you know breweries have and what they need and budgets and all that. Uh, but focusing on inventory and uh, recipe management to begin with, and then brew mm-hmm. scheduling as well so, um, is where we're at. Yeah, I, I think you know, long term, you know, we're talking about it before with like the different silos of data, right? So I think bringing in just additional integrations into the, the platform. Uh, I think we were talking about it just this morning of you know a lot of people use Slack just to communicate with your your coworkers. Yeah. A lot of breweries probably use it too. It's like so integrating a system like that into a brewery management system so I can get a Slack notification when uh, you know fermenter's done or we need to to load in more hops whatever the the alert mechanism or notification might be but bringing in a lot of those kind of integrations so you don't just have here's a Slack and and here's this and here's that. It's like let's start tying everything together uh, with all these technology dotted lines and then that kind of evolves into like this custom system that that works well for for people and they they put more emphasis on different aspects of that right Mm. yeah and and current current modules in development but we're also it it depends on who's yelling loudest on what they need is with our betas and and whatever beta customer is saying hey listen you know we really need this we need this issue fixed right now and we'll, we'll handle it. And, you know, right now, TTB seems to be, TTB forms seem to be a, a big pain point people don't want to deal with. Um, keg fleet tracking is another one that we're, we're looking at. We haven't really dove into it yet, but we've got some good strategies on how we're going to do, do that. Uh, again, utilizing, you know, cell phone technology where, you know, you pull out your camera and you're taking a picture or you're scanning a barcode or a QR code off that keg and boom cool check in check in check in um we're also looking at the the ferment the fermenter uh module where we're actually monitoring uh process and then it'll move into control um that's that's kind of where we're at now but we've got a couple other like in the background that that they're still like that we don't want to talk about yeah yeah Yeah. i mean at the end of the day really feel too hard at the end of the day really it's like you know the whole emphasis of this platform is for us to hear from the brewers 
It's like if we can sit up here, we could probably come up with a hundred different ideas of things that we've seen from food and beverage and automotive and, and all sorts of different industries that, that could apply here. But we really want to hear and learn from all of the different breweries that, that we interact with of like, what are your specific pain points? Otherwise we're building a platform of different pieces of technology that we think is cool or interesting or could provide benefit and maybe that's just pushing a rock up a hill maybe it's not but hearing back from them say well you know what our biggest pain point is this and it's like those are the types of feedback that we want to hear and start incorporating that in app so that's what really makes it evolve into this you know solution that is from the brewery industry for the brewery industry right gotcha all right last question you know when i sit down with um with my clients for the first time, whether it's a potential prospect or somebody referred somebody, I always ask them the same question is, if we were to start working together, what would need to take place over the next three years, whether it be professionally, financially, emotionally, to where we could look back on those three years and say our time spent was valuable. As, you, as it pertains to what you guys are building within Corso Systems and then the You Know Beer platform, same, same question. What do you want to see take place over the next three years that if we sat down again for another podcast, Three years from now, hopefully way out fest number three, that you guys said, hey, we're on the right track, we're doing everything we set out to do, and we're happy where this program is going. Yeah, it, it should be a date, by the way. We'll, we'll put that on the calendar. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, really it's, uh, we're definitely of the mindset of crawl before you can ball mentality of let's start this slow and methodical and address people's needs with each module as we go. And so, where will we be in three years? We're not quite sure, but... Uh, come spring we want to be at the craft brewers conference and we want to be there we want to get in front of more more brewers and address more needs and and really kind of whittle down that path and really make sure that we're again we're not throwing solutions at people we're growing solutions for them that's kind of the the path that we're yeah i mean i think for me it's it's not so much a numbers kind of game but it's just down to like impact Mm -hmm. and i think all of us want to provide some sort of positive and lasting impact for the companies that we work with, whatever the industry is. And whether that is, you know, a thousand, you know, different companies that we work with that in some small minor impact or it's one company we work with that's like a total transformation, all of that is, it's elevating something for whoever we interact with. And it's, you know, when we when we walk away or we leave that and, and they start using it in their day-to-day lives, us knowing that, okay, this is, a positive impact for them. It's helping their operations in some form or fashion, mm. whether it's someone that can focus more time on creating new beer or whatever it's going to be. It's it, it provides a benefit for them. I think that's that's the measure that that I look for at the end of the day. Yeah. And obviously, you know, get involved with a lot of breweries and become. It would be great to become like the industry standard tool that you know craft brewers use as they're growing their operation and you know, we grow with them. But it's really, for me, it's about helping the breweries and the brewers and the folks that work there achieve their goals and their dreams and, like, mm-hmm. give them the tools that we know work at the larger scale in the manufacturing world to, like, help make all of that possible and make it possible to, you know, take the science out of it a little bit and allow them to be a little bit more of an artist and, like, do what they love without having to deal with all the crap that we can just automate and, and deal with for them uh, and, like, really just impact people's lives and, yeah and make it a fun industry to be in and like easier to to be in than it is now with less less stress overall and and like selfishly like you know that feeling that you you went to 
uh, a brewery early on and they were you know just turning the lights on you know half their taps were empty and you're like oh great and then eventually you go into the grocery store and you see their beer on the shelf and it, like you feel proud like yeah. I supported this and I helped this get here by going in and participating in, in this mechanism and so that's what I want I want to work with breweries that are and, and help them grow and get into those phases that they never thought they would get to and we go cool we helped facilitate that and and everybody won and so that's mm-hmm. that's really what we're looking for well that's a beautiful thing yeah. all right gents well thank you very much corso systems come check them out i'll have links on my website to where you can find them if you're a small medium large scale brewery hit them up hit them up all right gents thanks a lot for all doing right, this thank you Appreciate it. cheers cheers well that's it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did For the latest on Financial Views with Local Brews, please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews, as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me. And I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.